Hello and welcome to the Bold Believer Podcast, a podcast focusing on apologetics and faith-based questions and answers, diving deep into the historical evidence for the Christian faith, truths founded in Scripture, and how it plays out in the world we live in today. And now, here is your host, Josh Snyder. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm feeling Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right, all right. Hey, welcome back to the Bull Believer Podcast. I'm Josh Snyder, your host, as always. And with me today is somebody who is on season one quite a bit. And because of a, you know, a certain move across the country, he doesn't, isn't able to hop on much. But we are up here in the Lewistown area, and we were grabbed him for this recording. I got Mr. Talon, and I'm glad to be here. And I'm excited to speak the word to you guys and let's get this thing going. Let's do it. All right, Talon Art here with me today. And uh, we're going to we're gonna do something a little out of the ordinary, but still kind of ordinary. Um, you'll, you'll understand what I mean by that here in a second. But first, uh, once again, if you like what we do here on the Bold Believer podcast and our goals to, to learn and to grow and to help you do the same in the process of, of as, as we continue to release these, uh, please consider giving us a, a review or a rating wherever you get your podcast. It helps boost it out. It tells the algorithm giant that it is something that you enjoy listening to and uh, it's a big help for us if you like the episode consider sharing it on your social medias and and all that other stuff uh, as always there's going to be a questionnaire below this episode I think specifically on Spotify and iTunes I th- it could just be Spotify but definitely definitely on Spotify and or iTunes podcast or Apple podcast please scroll down and let us know what you think about the episode and then answer the specific question that has to do with today's episode uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about light, and before we begin, we're going to start off what we normally start off with, but it's going to be a little different. Here, let me just say it like this. Let's start off with the bold, bold jokes, jokes of the day. Today's uh, bold jokes, and yes, jokes, multiples, is uh, has to do with what we're going to be talking about today, and that is light. And so we're going we're gonna to joke a little bit about the denominational lines, and so if you are uh, associated with a denomination within Christianity, some of these might be funny, and you may not get some of them, and, you know, I don't know, maybe they'll just be funny for me. So uh, all of these jokes have a very, have a commonality to them, and that being they're speaking of a little light bulb. So here we go. Uh, how many denominations does it take to change a light bulb? Well, for the charismatics, only one. Their hands are already in the air. Okay, get that? Okay. Uh, For the Pentecostals, it takes 10. 10 Pentecostals to change a light bulb. Why? Well, there's one to change the light bulb and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. Really spiritual right there. All right. For Calvinists, it doesn't take anybody to change a light bulb. Lights will go on and off at their predestinated times. They just, you know, okay. Roman Catholics, I don't know why they're in this, but apparently uh, it takes no Roman Catholics to change a light bulb because they only use candles. Uh, For Baptists, it takes at least 15 Baptists, one to change the light bulb, three committees to uh, approve the change and decide who brings the potato salad and fried chicken. All right. For Mormons, non-Christian, of course, this is just for example, uh, it takes five, one man to change the light bulb and four wives to tell him how to do it. Oh, that was a little sharp. That was a little sharp. How many Jehovah's Witnesses does it take to to change the light bulb town? Uh, None. They're too busy knocking on doors, telling everyone they have the wrong lights. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't know who Jeho- what Jehovah's Witnesses are, that's all right. Do some research. You'll get that later. Uh, Unitarians, non-Christians, of course. Uh, here's how they change the light bulbs. They say, we choose not to make a statement either in favor or against the need of a light bulb. However, if you, in your own journey, 
have found that light bulbs work for you, you are invited to write a poem or compose a modern dance about your light bulb for the next Sunday service, in which we will explore a number of light bulb traditions, including incandescent, fluorescent, three-way, long life, and tinted, all of which are equally valid paths to luminance. Anyway, so Unitarians, I yeah, I, I don't... Oh, man, this just aggravates me. So I don't see how some of these people come up with these belief systems. How many Methodists does it take to change the light bulb? Oh, that's undetermined. Whether your light is bright, dull, or completely out, you are loved. You can be a light bulb, turnip bulb, or a dim bulb. Bring a bulb of your choice to the Sunday lighting service. That's uh, Methodist for you, I suppose. Uh, Nazarenes. It takes six Nazarenes to change a light bulb. One woman to replace the bulb while five men review the church lighting policy. Ooh. Okay. Lutherans. It doesn't take any Lutherans to change the light bulb. Lutherans don't believe in change. Oh, I'm sorry if I cut close to home there. For Amish, what's a light bulb? Okay, that one was pretty funny. All right. For Jews, where's Jacob's ladder when you need it? And then finally, for unbelievers, here's how many, how many people it takes to change a light bulb. For unbelievers, none. They'd rather sit in the dark. Okay. That one... It was a lighthearted joke on a serious topic in which we're going to dive into a little bit here over the coming moments. If you have a Bible handy, I'd like you to open up to, a, to an opening passage that'll kind of give us some context of which I'd like to speak out of here today. And uh, we're going to have Talon read a passage in Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, verses 3 through 10. And if you're turning there, you can pause now if you'd like to, or, uh, or, or just, just listen to us as we uh, give that passage. Luke chapter 15, verses 3 to 10. Through 10 says, uh, what, Talon? And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Mm. Parables, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus told many of these parables in his time, and some were a little bit more clear than others. Some would, uh, I've heard some people say Jesus intentionally made them unclear sometimes so that the listener had to be intentional about finding the answer. So that the listener had to dig a little deeper to get the underlying message of what Jesus was trying to say. And in this particular parable or set of parables, we see a very uh, commonality. That's why they were told back to back of a light or the light bearer, as we see. In the parable number one, we have the shepherd who went seeking for the lost sheep. Uh, there was 99 back at home and there was one that went missing and he went off searching for that one instead of saying, well, I got the 99 here, I'm good to go. We see the second parable, the woman who lost one of her 10 coins, I believe it was. Was it 10 coins? Yes. 10 coins. Uh, she went and she lit a candle and she swept the whole house, whether that means physically took a broom and swept or whether it means she swept the light over and through the whole house, looked in every... She, she lost one piece though. Yeah. yeah okay. Lost one piece, yeah. yes. And she looked through the whole house 
trying to find that one out of the 10 that she lost. I'm not gonna get into the background of what made that coin so important to, to the people of that day, but if you wanna do some research and find some interesting things out about their culture and what these coins represented, do some research on why, why that coin was so important. But at any rate, it was very important to this woman. And she lit a light. The very first thing that she did was she lit her lamp and she began to look for this lost coin. What does the what do the man and the woman represent in this story? I believe that the light that they possess, one being probably the light that the man held in the first parable while he was looking through the mountains for his lost sheep, and the woman who lit a candle and looked in every nook and cranny for her lost coin, each of these are pictures of God. And the light is Jesus, the extension of who God is, looking for what is lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Mm. And, and so when that light hits that person and the knowledge of God is made known unto them, and, and so, in some of these parables, you can there's dual meaningship, I believe, and I want to I say that lightly because you hear the story of the prodigal son, for example, that's very close to this one, where there was one that was part of the fold, so to speak, one that was a son of the king who went off into a far country, leaving his house, leaving his father, still nonetheless a son, but in the wrong place, spent all of his, spent all that he had on riotous living, looked, smelled, acted like the world, but yet still a son. And when he turned around and repented, his dad, his father, his rich father was there to meet him with open arms and to say, welcome back home where you belong. I believe that in that whole time, he was nonetheless a son, but but when he made himself reconciled with God, when he took that action to repent, God came in and that light continued to work on him and he was able to reconcile the relationship with God. We see here that prior to salvation that we were in darkness, we sat in darkness. And when the light hit us, we are then made whole with God. And sometimes we may be like that lost sheep. Part of the God, we're part of God's fold, but we're going to go off. We're going to wander off, but God will still come after us, praise God. God will still come and find us. And so that light is so crucial, though, in this process. And we see all through Scripture what light means. And in, in truth, light is God. God is fully light. In Him is no darkness, darkness at all. At all. And, uh, and I love that because it shows that when we possess God, when we possess the Holy Spirit, we now are able to be a light. And we're going to get into that a little bit and what that implies here as we, as we move forward. But, but quickly, just for a bit more foundation scripture, who is the light according to the word of God? I've said it, but I want to get some word of God here. John 1, 5 through 9, really quickly, uh, Talon. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Mm. There's a lot of things that are touched on there. John uh, was the was not that light. It goes on to very, clarify very quickly because it says there is light that shine in darkness, and then there, let's talk about John. But he, no, he was just bearing witness of the light. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. And that light was Jesus. The writer, I love how the writer of uh, the book of John put it. John. I love how John put it. Um, because Jesus not only was the, the God-man, he was the light that shined in darkness. 
And when that light shined in darkness, it goes on to say in that last verse that you read there. Can you read that really quick for me? That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So as, as human beings, if we have breath in our body and knowledge in our head that we can decipher and know things, there is access and the ability to respond to the light. I don't want to use these terms loosely, but it says that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. All of us have the ability to respond to the light, according to John uh, John 1, 9, I believe it is. But that does not mean we all will respond. And most of us know that we not everyone will respond. There's a lot of people. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And, and many there be that find it. We're all on that broad road. And then there's a narrow road that's straight. And... And when you respond to the light that is looking for you, when that shepherd's out calling your name and you respond to that, and there's a narrow road for you. And that light will change your life. And if so, if you're on the other end of this, I wanna say this first and foremost, if you don't know what it means to possess the light in you, here's it in broke down layman terms. Jesus was the light according to the book of John and many other passages in scripture points him to being the light. We are in darkness because of our deeds against God and against uh, against his law. And Jesus came in as the substitution because we have no light. He paid the price, shown his light for the whole world to see. And now if we accept his payment, his payment for our sin, we can now possess that light in the form of the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity or the Godhead. The Holy Spirit moves in and we now become part of the light. God is with us. And, uh, and we, can, we can be a shining city on a hill. I think we'll read that verse here in just a little bit of exactly what that context speaks of when it says that we can be the light of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so 1 John 1, 9 states that Jesus is the light, the light. And that's whenever we talk about the light, that is who I'm referring to, the light being God or Jesus or even the Holy Spirit. The light is in all three because all three are of one essence. Um, so I will clarify if I, if I talk about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, specifically because they have different traits that are used. But the light is God. In him is no darkness nor shadow of turning, as Scripture says. There are three observations I'd like us to examine here about the light that we possess as children of God. There are three observations. Number one, we need to keep the light first. We need to keep the light first. What's the first thing that the widow did? Um, Talon, let me ask you this. What's the first thing that she did when she went looking for her lost coin? She lit a candle. Lit a candle. So she shed light into a dark place. So often we walk into scenarios of our life and try to feel around without bringing light to it, thinking that we can pull it together in our own power. I think about a time very recently, like in the last week, that I tried to do something on my own accord and in my own strength and throughout the day I did I neglected to seek the light meaning I neglected to come before God in prayer and I did not come to God and get into get into the word the perfect word of God that sheds light into every situation of our life I believe I, I didn't I didn't do that till later in the day and I you could see you can feel the difference you can know the difference when the light is not present it's just as though I'm trying to feel around in the dark when the light switch is right there, when I can turn to the source of light and have it illuminate, have God illuminate my situation. That is why Psalms, uh, I can't remember the exact passage, but in the book of Psalms it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
Just because his word is not a spotlight showing you exactly what's coming down the line, showing you exactly what the answers are to every situation you might face in this life in detail, that doesn't mean that it is not a lamp to your feet, a direct guidance to what you're doing right here and going to shine down the path as you follow God's will. Chase God's will and that light will illuminate the darkness in your life. We need to keep the light first, though. We need to put it at the forefront of what we say and do, just like I did not do the other day. I put it towards the back, and I could tell the difference very quickly. And another way, sometimes, like, we are in this Christian life, and we stumble, we fall into sin, and so sometimes it might feel like maybe there's this darkness over you, and that light begins to be dim in your life. But if you confess your sin to God, you can clean and get that washed away and that light can shine bright again because when you fall in that sin maybe it just feels like darkness or shame or guilt and all these things come flooding in your life but once you come to the throne of grace and plead with God for forgiveness of your sin that light can then be restored yeah amen that's good that's why another passage in scripture says and quench not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed under the day of redemption, or, or grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Another passage talks about the quenching of the Holy Spirit, which essentially likens the Holy Spirit to a fire or a flame, something that we can quench or put out. God is a light perfectly within himself, and we possess that light, but when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we darken that light, as you were just saying. When we ask for forgiveness or repent, we agree with God. I believe God is forgiveness past, present, and future as children of God, but there are sins that we must repent of because the relationship that we hold with God can be darkened, dampened, and quenched as according to scripture, grieved. And so when we, when, we, when we repent, when we agree with God about our sin, when we turn away, when we follow him, it's like throwing candling on that fire. And light shines even brighter. And yes. those questions we thought were gonna be so hard to answer, and the, some of the answers, sometimes the answer's right there. I'm gonna say this in, just in passing. It's kind of a funny story, and we're gonna we're gonna move on to uh, the next point. A few months ago, I was out working, and I get out of my van really quickly, and I go and I grab a few things, and I come back to my van, and I look down at my van's tire, and I see what looks like something leaking out of the uh, the, the rim. I'm like well, that's weird. Do I have some like tire flat fix a flat that I put in a while back when I got a flat leaking out or something? So I go down and I look at it, I feel it, I smell it. It doesn't feel, it kind of feel like anything. It kind of smells weird. And then all of a sudden I hear a dog barking. <laughs> I, so very quickly, my knowledge of the situation was enlightened. And because of the new information, that being the dog barking, it shed some light into what was going on here. Jesus Christ was the dog barking. Uh, and maybe even more directly, John the Baptist was a voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord, saying, here's the truth, here's the way right here. And many times in our life, we will be in a situation where maybe the word of God has got something specific on it, or, or God has direct a uh, direct will, and we know his will, and we'll sniff that stuff, and we'll, we'll wonder, hey, what is this? And we know the answer to it, and we just don't want to embrace it because of our presumptions or because of what we find is comfortable in our life. And sometimes that's all that we need to change our mind is that dog barking. So we understand some light is shed into that situation. So maybe you're in a situation where you don't want to cling to the truth because it's inconvenient like the, like the Pharisees did because the light was shining and they weren't responding. Um, or 
maybe you're in a situation where that's all you need is that dog to bark to shed some light into that situation. I don't know. I hope that made sense, but I thought it was kind of kind of funny to think about uh, some of the spiritual parallels of me going up and trying to examine something in my own presumption. Oh, maybe something's leaking out of my tire. No, something leaked on my tire. And uh, <laughs> it took the dog barking to illuminate my eyes to that. And uh, it was a little too late, but anyway, I almost, I almost threw up. Um, <laughs> and moving on, moving on. The second thing I like us to understand after we understand that we need to keep the light first, the second thing is darkness runs from runs from and hates light. Darkness runs from and hates light. Literally, if you open up a door into a dark room and there's light behind you, what happens? Darkness begins to run. And if you flip a light on in that dark room, what happens? Darkness runs under the chairs. Darkness runs into the closet. Light is shed into it. I'm looking at a side of the wall over here where light is coming up the side of the wall but can only get so high because there's things that are blocking the light from getting to it but when light is if we took the light bulb here and we just shone it up into that area what happens everything is lit up and is made clear made known that is what god is in our lives that is what god does when we allow him to illuminate every part of who we are he shines light into us Darkness runs from and hates the light. They cannot coexist. Darkness is opposite of light. We know this. This is obvious stuff that we learned in like first grade, uh, at least concepts that we understood in first grade. Darkness runs from and hates light. John 3.19 specifically talks a little bit about the spiritual darkness versus the spiritual light. Talon, can you read John uh, 3.19? And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Mm. Light condemns and exposes truth. Light condemns and exposes truth. That's the reason why when cops pull you over, many times they will spotlight your car with a very bright light because evil is exposed by the light. And and not just physical light, as I stated a little ago. It's not just a physical concept, but more specifically and directly cutting deeper than a physical light is the light of Christ, the spiritual light that is far that extends far greater and far past and beyond this life fun fact physical light travels at 670 million 616,629 miles per hour that's really fast and even faster still is the light of christ even faster still is the uh, when when god exposes something in our life man that's just faster than the speed of light as christians we can't lose our salvation in christ but also we cannot effectively shine our light the light that is within us in the holy spirit if we don't understand and put into practice things that intentionally keep it burning intentional relationship with god through prayer studying the word loving others as we love ourselves purposely giving ourselves to god's control every single day uh, fasting and other things like this will bring about not only a relationship we know to be true but a passion and a fire that the world will see that will light the way to the truth in christ That is what happens when light shines in darkness. Darkness runs. Are we being effective light shiners? Are we shining the light that we possess, the light of God, effectively in our lives? So Christ was light. He was pure. So like when, if you think about it, when Christ was walking this earth 2,000 years ago and he would enter into a room, say, with a group of sinners or people of this world, I bet they could sense the holiness, the difference that this man was. He was not like everyone. Mm-hmm. And that in, in itself was a light to the people, the way he spoke, the way he he talked. Mm-hmm. Just the, everything about him just shed light. So yeah. when he would live in righteousness 
and wouldn't partake in the darkness and the, or the deeds that these people were committing, that was in itself just bringing light. And so as a Christian, we also have the Holy Spirit and now we have a boldness. We are different. We are not of the world and we can live in this world as a light because we're different and that in itself is where the manifestation comes from is the difference christ being made known in our life yeah yeah and that's where and that that it'll show through that's the thing town put brought up a point that i want to say before we get to this last point we the light needs to show through if god is so big and amazing and great as i heard this story of a of a little girl that continues this thought as i'm cutting myself in the middle here but there's a story that i heard of this little girl asking her dad dad did did god create you and he said yeah god created me she's like huh did did god create like the United States of America? He's like, yeah, yeah, God created the United States of America. She's like, did God create this whole world? And he's like, yeah, God created this whole world. And then she thought even deeper, Dad, did God create the whole universe? He's like, yeah, of course. And she's like, well, then he must be pretty big, isn't he? And he said, he, he sure is. God is God is very big. The Bible talks about him being, uh, heaven being his throne and earth is his footstool. He's a big He's a big guy outside of everything that we uh, we see and do here. And she looked at him in deep thought and, and looked down at herself and said, Dad, you said when I accepted what Christ did on the cross for me and made him Lord of my life that he lives inside of me. And he said, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. She looks down at herself again and says, well, is, why isn't he sticking out somewhere? He's got to be sticking out somewhere. And the moral of that story is from a little child's perspective, more specifically, as, as whatever age you're at, if you profess to have the very God living inside you, he's going to stick out somewhere. He's going to mm. shine through. He's going to be made known in your life and everything that you do or he should do, should be. I say he should be because we all will fall short. There is some flesh that we got to fight. We got to die daily, as Paul puts it. But that light will be made known in your life if you are a child of God. That's good. And so uh, number three, though, we need to carry our light. This kind of caps off everything that we've talked about, and we've touched on some of the ideas around this concept, but we need to carry it, meaning actively take it, not just in church, not just in our homes, not just around people that also know how to act like Christians, but to intentionally carry our light wherever we are placed in this life. Uh, let's close in this final passage here, and I'm going to have uh, Talon read Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, and then i got a quick uh, little illustration that I think really encompasses this, and then we'll close out today's episode. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When God is actively living in, our, in your life, that is evidence of a God that is alive. That is evidence that God is real. You can tell people all day long the facts about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can tell people all day long about the historical data we have for the existence of Christ and facts and things like that. You can tell people all day long all of these different things that, that pertain to things that we can know, physical evidences, but people will be won, I believe, more effectively by a Christian who is actually portraying Christ and being the light. Not acting, not acting but genuinely letting God flow through him as a conduit is a lets electricity flows through it. The power source is not the person or the conduit. The power source is much higher than, than he or she. But the conduit is very crucial, and God uses us like conduits in this life. He allows his will, his power, 
the things that he'd have us do in this life. He allows us to be able to be a part of people's salvation and to, to be lights in this world. And just like a, a conduit conducts electricity from the power source to whatever it's sending it to, we are to conduct God's light, the gospel, from the power source, the Holy Spirit, to reach a lost world and to share the light, to be able to connect the light with a lost world. I don't want to get too analytical here, but let me let me share this uh, illustration here, uh, and then we'll have a quick closing thoughts. Uh, pastor Darian Rogers once tells a story of a young girl who once consulted with her pastor when she said, "I cannot stick it out any longer. I'm only a Christian in the I'm the only Christian in this factory where I'm working. I get nothing but taunts and sneers. It's more than I can stand. I'm going to resign." Tell me, asked the minister. Where are the lights placed in the building? What does that have to do with it? The young Christian asked him rather bluntly. Never mind, the pastor replied. Answer my question, though. Where are the lights placed in your building? She thought for a second and very obviously stated, Well, I suppose that the lights are placed in all of the dark places in the building, she replied. Yes, and that is why you have been put in that factory where there is such a spiritual darkness and where there is no other Christian to shine for the Lord. Young Christian realized for the first time the opportunity that was hers. She felt that she could not fail God by allowing her light to go out. She went back to the factory with a renewed determination to let her light shine in the dark corner. Before long, she was the means of leading nine other girls in her factory to the light. We are to carry the light carry that light wherever we're at, especially in dark places. I don't want to say that to say when you're in church, you can let your light down a little bit, but especially in dark places, that light shines brighter. That is why God says we're a city on a hill, a shining city on a hill. Why? Well, because you can't miss it. Now, just imagine a stranger walking through, I don't know, the forest, looking for evidence of life somewhere lost and unsure where he's at. And, and looking up and seeing a hill that is on fire, not, not with literal fire, but lit up by the light of a city. That is what God says we're to be to a lost world. So that people from miles around, spiritually speaking, can look into our life and see there's something different. And I want, I want a piece of that. I want to know what's different. Yeah, many people, they can say that they have this light. But the important thing is, is the light really there? Mm. You see this light, it will shine. You will be able to notice it. I mean, it can grow dim in the Christian life and be restored, but nonetheless, there is a light. You can see it. You can notice it. Mm. So is your life different? Mm. Has your life been changed? Because there's a story and there was this pastor on his way to preach a sermon at a church and uh, he was on the road driving and he got a flat tire. And so he pulled over to the side and he went out to fix his tire, and as he, was, as he was fixing his tire, a bolt rolled into the middle of the road, and without thinking, he went and grabbed that bolt, and bent down and grabbed it, and he looked up, and he saw a 120-ton truck coming for him, and it was too late, and it plowed him over. And so, later, he gets in his car, after he fixed his car, and he goes to church, and everyone's wondering why he's late. And he said, well, I got hit by a 120-ton semi-truck. Well, there's two things that could be going on in the mind of the people there. They're going to think that this man is a liar or he's absolutely insane. Well, the thing is, is how much more bigger is God? 
when we have an encounter with him. You see, this man should have been permanently changed by being hit by a 120-ton semi-truck. How much greater is God when you have an encounter with him? How much power can be seen in your life and how much light is being produced if he lives in you? Mm. That man should have shown up at church uh, with limbs hanging everywhere and and bleeding and stuff, and people could see the difference because of what happened to him. A very good illustration to point out that we should be changed when God moves in. Just like we would be changed if we got hit by a 120-ton pickup or a semi-truck, right? Amen. (laughs) All right. Well, be the light. Hey, thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Bold Believer Podcast. I'm Josh Snyder. And this is Talon. Signing out for another episode. Once again, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe or like or whatever your platform allows you to do to follow up what we're doing. We would love to hear from you. love to get some feedback. Let us know what you think. We uh, want to challenge you to come back next week as we have another episode where we desire to learn and grow together. Go out and be a bold believer. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Be sure to give us a rating and follow us for more Christ-centered content as we learn and grow together wherever you get your podcasts. Now, go out and be a bold believer.